You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. to the all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life wherever you are today and however you're listening to the call me mr you the podcast thank you again for making us a part of your morning your day and your week with your weekly mirror check before you go change the world you can find us on facebook instagram youtube and the twitter thank you for downloading subscribing to our show wherever you enjoy your podcast listening thank you again for all the support on all of our social media platforms We've been having some awesome live shows on Monday morning at 9 a.m. EST. Plus several shows released throughout the course of the week that have been awesome. And if all goes well and all goes the way I think it's going to go, you may even see this face on some other shows on YouTube, Twitter, and beyond. Thank you again for all the support. We definitely appreciate all the questions, responses, and all the love you've shown to our show. You know, I've been dealing with this one for a little bit now because it, and we can go, kind of go down a rabbit hole, but I don't want to do that today. But it feels as though we have an identity crisis going on in our world. You know, I, I think about, and this is just a, a story that kind of just popped in my head. You know, I talk about her often when I have the opportunity, but think about my grandma today. Uh, she's gone on to be with the Lord. She left us. Uh, she's in a better place without a doubt. Uh, she spent most of her life working. And she was a believer. She loved Jesus. And she gave him her best, I guess, in her mind. Uh, I don't know every aspect of that and what the Lord felt about her service. But I believe she was blessed. I believe that. Her needs were met. I believe that she was faithful in all that she knew how to do. Uh, but she's going on. She probably would be about 95 today. Going into her 96th birthday soon. Uh, and she literally, she literally died working. She was taken by uh, dementia and, and Alzheimer's. And I'm bringing her up today not to bring the uh, room down or anything, but just to kind of share an important point. Most of her identity was centered around her work, her service. She was known for being a servant. As a matter of fact, it was actually her profession. She cleaned houses for a living. It was her life. She did it for decades. Uh, Because of where she's from in Panama, it was kind of par for the course when you think about uh, you know, the things that were going on 
in the times in the early 1900s when she was born, what the economical and the political climate was during those times. You can do the research, of course. You need me to go into that right now, but it was part of her identity. What she did kind of formed her identity. What she didn't do kind of formed her identity. And I think that's part of the crisis that we're seeing now. What people do or don't do are linked to their identity. What does identity even mean? Just in the literal sense, it's defined as the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. You can get into a person's sense of self and affiliations, social roles, and unique characteristics about the person. But at the end of the day, it's what distinguishes them and makes them who they are, personality-wise, maybe ethically. That's what identity is. I believe we have an identity crisis in our world. Uh, We can talk about the question as to whether identity is given or whether identity is created. Uh, I, I truly, I truly believe with all of my heart that everything in our DNA is not changed as we grow, as we go along in the years and we live and move and have our being and grow up and have families. I believe that the blueprint is already set. We don't have to go in and try to change what God has already created. It's my personal opinion. And I stand by that. But I, I don't think I can answer the question today about whether identity is given or created, except to say that people can influence how you see yourself. People can influence you through their social interactions and perhaps what kind of affiliations you make with other people. You can change your appearance, put an earring in your ear or earring in your nose and can make you look different. But identity goes so much deeper than that. Because all of those are external things that you can take away, add, subtract, remove, duplicate, whatever. But from an inner standpoint, that identity, who you are, the essence of who you are when there's no flesh involved, the soul, that's where our identity really comes from. I truly believe that. From an identity standpoint, there's so many things that we find from an identity standpoint that's forged by other people. We're limited by people who place limits on us. People who may be limited themselves placing limits on us, whether it be a parent, whether it be a best friend, whether it be an organization or somebody in some kind of authority. Most of our identities are forged by people who are limited themselves and they place limits on us. They're damaged, so they inflict damage wherever they go. Something I used to always say when I was growing up, well, as a, a young adult, that a thief always thinks somebody's trying to steal from them. A thief always thinks somebody's trying to rob them because they're damaged. So they inflict damage wherever they go. They weren't successful in life or in the goals that they had as a young person. Their dreams were shattered. So directly or indirectly, they shatter your dreams. It's a really weird cycle, but that's what happens. And things begin to change and people begin to take on different approaches and characteristics and they call it identity because they feel whatever I identify with makes that me. But those are all optional. Those are all choices. We don't have to. I think about several things from scripture that kind of come to mind. 
I think about the story of the Tower of Babel. I shared it many times on recent episodes. I think it still holds true. It's still relevant today. These individuals, these Babylonians, they made a decision to do what I would call a hostile takeover, where they would try to take over heaven, get their name on the map, leave a legacy for their people that no one else can ever say or surpass because of their insecurities, because of how they felt about themselves, because of how they viewed their identity. Yes, they, they were created beings. Yes, they had a soul. Yes, they had a spirit. Yes, they had purpose, whether they were in tune with it or not. But they felt insecure. They felt as though they had to do something really great, something really big. They had to make a really boisterous move in order to hopefully feel good about themselves and their legacy for generations to come. So they decided out of their insecurity, out of feeling like, you know what? We could be overtaken at any time. We have nothing to leave for future generations. We have no legacy. We have no crest. We have no stamp on in history. We got to do something big. Something great. It's going to leave a mark and make folk remember us. So they decided together to build a tower that would be so high It would reach even into the very heavens. They chose that over an existing law, an existing roadmap to success, to obedience and servanthood. They had a chance to lean into that, but because of their insecurities, they decided their identity was wrapped up in what they did rather than who they actually were. Hope that makes sense to somebody all the way in the back, but I'll say it again. They decided to lean into what they could do with their own hands as opposed to who they actually were. They chose to try to get out of obscurity in their minds anyways and build a tower to reach all the way to heaven to get God's attention to let him know that they were there as if he didn't know. He is the creator, correct? So he already knew they were there. He already knew what they were planning. He knew the intent of their heart and why they were doing it. So that means he knew about the insecurities as well. The only thing was that they never gave him the opportunity to address those. They decided to go ahead and operate and function from those to their own detriment, which happens almost every time. Think about David's son, Absalom. He's not the normal name you hear all the time. You always hear about Solomon. You rarely hear about Absalom. But because of his father's insecurities, it formed his identity and caused him to become not only an enemy to the throne, but somebody who would basically defame and and smear the, the family name. Just because And simply because of his father's insecurities that were passed on to him. When his father had the opportunity to make it known to him that he was important, that he was worth, that he was worthwhile, that he was special, that he was important and valuable, rather than doing that, dealing with his own insecurities, his own insecurities, he leaned into those, and his son became an enemy to the kingdom and created the entire family mess that was 
that causes a trickle-down effect for generation to generation. Just because his father's insecurities were passed down onto him. And he felt like he was less than, he felt like he had to do something great and boisterous, make a big power move just to feel like he was relevant in life. That's one of the biggest tragedies that I've seen so many times that I still see today. People, rather than recognize who they are and lean into who they actually are at their core, when you take away the awesome job, the six-figure income, the hot trophy wife, when you take away all the things that people think matter, the clothes, the Bugattis, all the things people put think put on a higher uh, level at a higher priority list, you take all those things away, who are you? What is your value? Is it in those things? Because they're definitely going to fade at some point in time, right? It's all about who you are. And I think that gets missed in those examples. And even, as a matter of fact, let's talk about Judas. Judas Iscariot, who was known to be a traitor to Jesus Christ, right? Nobody talks about this, but was he just a rotten, dishonest thief? Or was he a victim, in a sense, of perception, a victim of misplaced identity? I mean, this man was a direct witness, not he- not hearsay, not third party. He was a direct witness to three years of miracles. He saw the greatest life there ever was up close and personal. There was no better model, in my opinion, of faith or a better environment for faith to be developed than walking with the Savior, who is Jesus Christ, right? He directly witnessed miracles. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he was in on that. He helped pass out the bread. When the sea was calmed, he was right there in the ship. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, he was right there. You can't have better evidence for faith than that. He heard all of the teachings. He was there for the Sermon on the Mount. He knows all that was going on. Answer me this. He saw all the things with his own eyes, had the access to the finest teaching. He was there and still betrayed him. He still betrayed the Savior. And reminds me of Jeremiah 17 and 9. The human heart is beyond understanding. And we lean into that and we make decisions based on how we feel, how things look, what we perceive, what we think we understand. We make decisions about other people, even our own children. We help decide for them what kind of identity they're going to have and how they should live, how they should look, what they should say, how they should act, where they should work who they should be with in life as far as husband and wife. We help make decisions and form identities based on what we deal with. And what we don't overcome, our children will have to overcome. What we don't overcome and conquer and deal with, future generations are going to have to deal with. Was Judas an actual rotten thief only, a dishonest person, or was he a victim in some sense of misplaced identity? You know, I, I, I wonder about this because it feels as though we are seeking the wrong kingdom. I think Judas did that himself. He was thinking about a kingdom that was already there as opposed to the kingdom that was to come. And Matthew 6, 31 and 34 talks about it a lot. Matthew 6, 31 and 34. A lot of times the same kind of insecurities we're talking about, issues with identity take the form of worry. And we think about or we're anxious about 
what we're going to have, how we're going to be taken care of, what's going to happen to us. Absalom did it relative to his father, David, in the kingdom. Those in the Tower of Babel scenario did the same thing. They worry about legacy. They worry about what's going to happen to them. How are they going to survive? What's going to happen to their name? And we think about that kind of stuff now more than ever. And we're worried about our name and how we look. We're finding ways to replace or try to replace those concerns and fears and insecurities, but they're not lasting choices. They're perishable options, whether it's your car or whether it's uh, the home that you live in or whether it's the size of your family. All those things are rooted in a doubt of God's provision. When we worry about tomorrow, we worry about where these things are going to come from. Matthew 6 and 33 says, you know, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When we doubt God's provision, we have a lack of peace. And then that opens the door to depression, fear, even identity loss. And we think about things from our own viewpoint and not from where things actually are. Sometimes we need help with that. We can't do it always on our own. We need somebody to help guide us sometimes as far as mentors go or maybe some kind of leadership or just, you know, acknowledging that we're not here by accident. We didn't just show up, but that we were created with a purpose and a design. If we don't understand that part, it's really hard to even get to what we're talking about. But what happens when you seek the wrong kingdom? It's kind of like buying something cheap. These days, with economics being what they are, a lot of folks are trying to buy cheap nowadays. They're trying to do things that are more quote-unquote economical. But is the quality better, though? Great example that happens in our household all the time. We got... A lot of cell phones in his house. So that means you need to have a lot of charges, right? What happens when you buy economical charges or you try to buy charges cheap? Yeah, we don't like the charges that come from Apple directly because maybe we might perceive those as being more expensive. But what happens when you try to buy charges cheap? If you go to a store that's not an Apple store or verified iPhone location, what happens when you buy those charges? A lot of the times... They don't last long. They crinkle. They begin to fray. And then you got to toss them and buy a new one. Because you're trying to buy cheap, trying to be more economical, but you're not buying something that has a guarantee to back it up, right? That's just phone charges. What about in life? What if you take all the goods that you have and place them, I mean, all your prized possessions and place them in a bag with a hole at the bottom of it? That's what we do. That's the uncertainty that we have when we try to put our insecurities and our fears and our doubts and put them in the hands of the world at large. All of the little sources that we have that people try to tell us what to do or encourage us to, to live this way, to do this, to do that, to respond to your lack of peace regarding regarding what's going on uh, that, you, that you're challenged with. And it's like, those are not the answers. That's not the right approach. It's not going to be successful. It's going to be it's going to produce a limited response and likely it's the equivalent of taking all your prized possessions and putting them into a bag with holes in it. You're going to lose. You're going to always be wanting. You're always going to be seeking. You're always going to want more and always be continually seeking and grinding out for more because we're not fulfilled. It's kind of like eating spiritual Chinese food. You can eat an hour's worth 
in about an hour, you're going to be hungry again because it's not substantial. But I really hope that this makes sense to you. This is more than identity. This is about insecurity. This is about recognizing who we are and, and what we have in our hands and recognizing that seeking the wrong kingdom never works for anybody else. Didn't work for the Tower of Babel. Didn't work for David's son, Absalom. Didn't work for Judas. They all were left wanting. They were all likely died not, not achieving and not accomplishing what they were originally setting out to do. So I just hope that we kind of evaluate things a little bit differently. A lot's going on in our world. A lot of opportunities to be depressed and to be fearful and to be sad and to feel insecure. We keep our eyes on the comparisons around us. It's even easier to do. It's time to see the right kingdom. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.